0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number Limited Edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Imagine being in critical condition and waiting for hours inside an ambulance parked just outside of the emergency room. That's the reality right now in Los Angeles County. The COVID-19 outbreak is so devastating in the country's most populous county. One in three residents have tested positive for the virus. ICU units are full and patients are being treated in hospital lobbies and hallways.
2: L.A., now one person dies every eight minutes from coronavirus. Every eight minutes. By the time we get done chatting, a person has died. Two people have died.
1: That's CNN correspondent, Sarah Seidner. She's been providing on the ground news coverage of the pandemic in LA County. Sarah and I know each other well. We've both reported from conflict zones around the globe, but nothing could have prepared us for what we are now seeing in our own country.
2: When someone sees a war zone and they see me in Afghanistan or Libya, you know, and they see, you know, children and families dying, people reach out. They reach out on social media. They text me. Oh, my God, I'm so—I can't believe what's going on over there. Here in America, we're literally fighting with each other while we're killing each other.
1: For a recent story, Sarah attended a funeral service held in a parking lot in L.A. The mariachi music you're hearing is from a band playing at the ceremony. Sarah visited 10 hospitals and witnessed families like the one you're about to hear coping with losing a loved one to COVID-19. Juliana Jimenez Sesma told Sarah about the last words she said to her mother before she died.
2: I told her, Mom, do not be afraid, for the Lord is with us. I love you and may God bless you. Keep strong for me, Mom. And all she answered me was, yes, mija. Yes, Miss Mija, with that that voice, with fear.
1: Juliana's mother and stepfather both died of COVID-19 just 11 days apart. They were treated in a hospital in South Los Angeles where Black and Latino communities have been hit especially hard by the virus. Doctors and nurses there are often staggered by the sheer amount of loss.
0: We have had the misfortune of seeing this disease run through families and and all too frequently take multiple members of a single family.
1: This week marks the one-year anniversary of the first known COVID-19 case in the United States. Meanwhile, L.A. County has surpassed a grim milestone, one million cases. Healthcare workers are exhausted and some medical supplies, like supplemental oxygen, are running low. On today's episode... I talked to Sarah about the ongoing COVID 19 crisis throughout LA County, as well as her very human reaction after covering that funeral in a parking lot. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus Fact versus Fiction.
2: It really was, first of all, a culmination of things. Being my 10th hospital, being in so many ICUs, I am not a doctor. I, you know, I, I have no medical experience, but watching the way people work, you and I have both been in war zones. Sanjay, this is a war zone going on inside these hospitals every single day.
1: I caught up with Sarah in Los Angeles. She's outdoors, so you might hear some extra noise.
2: There's no respite. Every day they wake up and there's a barrage, a tsunami of patients.
1: You know one one of the things about covering conflicts and and people have seen you in these places and and frankly some very dangerous places I remember watching some of your reporting and turning to my wife at the point and we were both like really worried about you there were it was gunfire sort of ringing out all around you you were you had your helmet on you were trying to to take cover and that's your been your life but this is different a pandemic I mean you don't get to go home, right? I mean, you you don't leave the conflict zone and go home. Pandemic is a worldwide event. When you see this sort of stuff, like what you're describing, a funeral in a parking lot, is it upsetting in the sense that, I mean, this didn't need to happen? What what is your sentiment? Are you upset by it? Are you, are you,
2: what what is it? I, I think to be perfectly honest, I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm angry because I know we can do better. I'm angry because there are people who are still treating this like it's the flu, who still think it's not a big deal or that it's not a real thing or that masks don't matter. And they will come up to me when I'm in my daily life or when I'm reporting and complain about my mask and say, why are you wearing that? It doesn't work anyway. These are my fellow Americans. These are my fellow citizens coming to tell me that it is their right not to wear a mask. You are absolutely right, but it is not your right to kill someone. And that's what's happening.
1: It was hard for me to watch just because I consider you a friend and a even a family member. We're all big family at CNN, I think so that was it was hard, but I understood it as well. I the impossible question I think Sarah, is why is that happening? I mean everyone always says this has become so politicized and I and I get it, but you know it's that seems like a little bit simple an explanation like you say you know you cover these other stories and people will reach out to you how can we help with the family that you may have profiled in the middle east or in afghanistan or or whatever and here you get mocked and ridiculed for doing the right thing in in one of the wealthiest countries in the world i mean i don't know that there's an answer but what do you think is going on here what's driving it
2: I know that you're right about the political part of this. That isn't it. That isn't the only thing. And the thing that keeps me from raging at people when they do that to me, when they ask me why, or they ask my mother why she's wearing a mask, or they taunt you, I think the underlying problem is fear. I think it comes down to fear. Once you admit that there is a deadly virus that you can't see— that's around you, that could be at the grocery store, it could be, you know, wherever you go, could be in your house, could be at your friend's house. When you admit that to yourself, that you are in danger and your family's in danger and there's nothing you can quite see and stop, it's really, really hard for people. And that's where my sort of empathy starts to come in because I understand that fear. I understand not wanting to say, yeah, this is happening. Because once you let that in, it is scary. It, it is scary. You're worried for your kids. You're worried for yourself. You're worried for your husband or wife. If you're single, you 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 are cut off from people and no one knows how long this is going to go on. And so some people's reaction, I think, to that, I'm no psychologist, but is it's not real. It can't be. Just I can't deal with it.
1: I think you're very right. I mean, how, how people sort of process their own fears, how they show what they believe is bravery or courage in the face of those fears, uh, you know, may manifest in different ways. Speaking of which, you know, you you are in Los Angeles County right now, and this is obviously one of the hardest hit places right now in the country. When the pandemic began, California implemented the shelter-in-place orders, as they called them, very early. They probably avoided lots of deaths and hospitalizations, like what we saw in New York City and other hard-hit cities. But now the hospitalizations and deaths are increasing at an alarming rate in the state, what change do you think?
2: It's a hard question to answer, but I will say, Sanjay, I know you, you of all people remember what New York looked like at the beginning, what those hospitals looked like at the beginning, where they were teeming with patients. It was bursting at the seams. It was such a crisis. The exact same thing is now happening a year later here in California. One of the reasons is, I think, that we, people just, they got tired of it. It was too much. There's a sense of like, I have got to go work. I have got to go do things. I have got to go live my life. Um, but I also think you have another issue. You had all these things coming up, holidays coming up. You have all these families who live in multi-generational buildings, right? They're together in a house, the grandparents, the parents, sometimes an aunt and uncle, the kids. And when you have that combination of holidays and multi-generational families, you are bound to see this explode. That human pull to be together is so strong, especially when you're scared, that I think some of that also happened.
1: With what we're seeing, what you're seeing in Southern California, as you've seen these increased hospitalizations, you've seen hospitals reach capacity, some hospitals not even having ICU beds anymore. Does it seem to affect attitudes of people? I mean, do, are people taking it more seriously as a result of that?
2: You still have people who are doing anti-mask protests. Yes and no. We are the most populous county in America. It was bound to happen here. It's not actually a huge surprise. It's just that we were doing so well in the beginning with the shutdown. I can tell the shutdown is very different this time. You know how? The traffic. In L.A., Everything is about traffic. You want to get from one place to the next. Everyone says it's 20 minutes. It's always 45. I got to work when this first started in 10 to 15 minutes. It now takes me 25. So the traffic is coming back. And I knew right then something has changed. But as far as our people getting it, you know when they get it? They get it when they get a phone call from a loved one in the hospital who's taking their last breath. They get it when they go into the hospital and they can't breathe. That is what doctors and nurses have been telling us. They are so hurt. The thing that hurts them the most are people that are denying that this is happening and not just happening, the people that are also denying that this is bad, that this is a problem, that this is worse than the flu, and then those that will self-distance and at least mask up.
1: I, it is hard to hear. I, I just have to, to tell you, I mean, I totally hear what you're saying. You know, working in the hospital, sometimes I'll go on the COVID wards and sometimes we'll have a patient up there and you'll see these situations like the ones that you've been showing in your reports, but you you, you see patients who are being proned, right? They're, they're being flipped upside down. They're, they're, they have these huge leather belts on them to hold them in place and someone will bring an iPad in and they will be talking to their loved ones on an iPad and they're crying and the, the family members on the iPad are crying, and this is happening, and, the, and, and it's, the, the ICUs are full of these sorts of stories, and I'll see this, and then I'll have left the hospital, I'm driving home, and I'll have to stop at the gas station to get gas, and I'll have my mask on, and, and people are giving me strange looks for wearing the mask, just like you were describing, and... There's going to be some mysteries about this, just in terms of human psychology and human behavior, that maybe I will never understand. i just like to believe that the reason we survived and thrived as a human species is because we take care of each other, and that it felt good to take care of each other, that ultimately, left to our own devices, we would do the right thing. And, and I don't know, this has shaken me a little bit in, in, in terms of that. Your recent story was this one community hospital in South L.A., being overwhelmed really, I mean, truly overwhelmed by COVID patients, and many of them being Black and Latino. We've noticed this disparity almost since the very beginning. But what are you, are you learning anything new? Why are these communities being hit so hard?
2: Here's the issue. It wasn't that coronavirus somehow, you know, completely treats a Black body or a Latino body differently. It's that before this, the healthcare in places like South LA, in places that are lower socioeconomic, that have a lot of Black and Latino folks in it, are healthcare deserts. So they have more, more comorbidities. Do you know what the number one thing, and this hurt me to hear this, the number one surgery that they do at MLK Junior Community Hospital in South LA is amputations from diabetes. We know, and you have said this a thousand times, that diabetes is one of those things that coronavirus, for whatever reason, tends to attack that person's body. So, this is a long standing problem where communities, and not just black and brown, but communities that are poor, don't have good health care before a coronavirus or a pandemic comes along. And then you add something like this on top of all of the issues, and that's when you see this terrible disparity. Between blacks and whites, between Latinos, blacks and whites, right? Native Americans. It's the absence of healthcare that has caused this problem, and that America needs to deal with. Our healthcare system has failed; it has failed us, even though the people in it are doing everything they possibly can to try and heal us.
1: Yeah, hopefully, we don't forget some of these really important. They're not even lessons, because as you point out, we already knew these things, but this has unmasked this. We're hearing a lot about these, uh, you know, these very tough decisions I think EMTs, paramedics are having to make now in the field. Um, Typically, uh, someone may call an ambulance saying, my loved one is having real trouble, the paramedics show up, and they are being told, look, don't bring the person necessarily to the hospital if they don't think the person has a chance for survival. It's just, it's heartbreaking to think about, number one, but I, I don't know if you've, how do they even get to decide who gets treatment and who doesn't?
2: So the the emergency medical system, um, you know, they have basically said here in Los Angeles County, if we cannot revive you where you're at, then we can't, we don't think you're going to make it, we're not going to pick you up anymore. Seriously, it is a terrible decision for these EMTs, paramedics, for them to have to make, But it has become, it is a new form of rationing care, right? And they're having to do it. The EMTs and paramedics are taking the brunt of this right now because they realize they just they can't keep up with the numbers. So far, there isn't a hospital that I know of that I that I know of here in Los Angeles County or Southern California that is actually rationing care. But I will tell you uh, that in talking to a couple of doctors, you know, and they said, look, this is don't name me, but Sometimes we don't have the ventilator that we need, so that person has to wait. So we are dealing with a real reckoning here. I am realizing for the first time that we're not safe and that we don't have it together and that we can't handle a huge thing like this. My eyes have been opened in a way that I could never have imagined you know, a year ago uh, as to how healthcare is handled and how on the razor edge we are
1: I think for a lot of people, this has still been an invisible problem. You know, I mean, as tragic as it's been, as the numbers as high as they've been, uh, until they see those reports of yours, uh, people, they may not understand it, and they may not also understand that it's not just COVID. If you have hospitals that are full, ICUs that are full, if you get in a car wreck or you have a heart attack or you have a stroke, this affects everybody. What do you think the next few weeks, and I'm asking you to look into a crystal ball, but what do you think the next few weeks are going to look like in LA County?
2: I'm, I'm terrified. I'll be honest. And I, there takes quite a lot to scare me. The doctors and nurses are afraid for what they think will be a surge on top of a surge from Christmas and New Year's. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that it is going to completely destroy our healthcare system that, like you said, we rely on when we get into a car accident or when somebody has a stroke or a heart attack or when you break your leg. Those are everyday things that are still happening. So I don't know what is going to happen when they see another huge tsunami of patients coming in because they've decided to hang out for Christmas and New Year's. I don't know, but I know that they are already overwhelmed.
1: When you spend time with the, you know, the healthcare teams there, I, everyone's so busy, right? So you don't, there's not a lot of time to reflect or to to navel gaze or to think about, you know, what brings me hope or, you know, getting through this, you just got to get through the hour, let alone think about next week. But what, what about you? I mean, what do, do you have hope right now? What, what is giving you hope?
2: If I didn't have hope, I would stop. I would quit my job right now. I pray. Um, I believe that there is a higher power that is guiding and helping and, and there. I talk to people. I try my best to be kind Even when someone's nasty, I try to be kind to them because I know underneath some of that anger or some of that frustration is fear. And so some of the things that helped me the most were being able to do something for someone, something like going and grabbing them groceries. So I try to do little things like that to sometimes to complete strangers who are struggling. And that's what gets me through. There is way more good in this country and in this world. I still believe that in this country, then
1: there is the opposite of that. That was CNN correspondent Sarah Seidner. What Sarah is seeing in L.A. County is not easy to talk about, but it is real. And I have to say, while things are tough right now, it is important to not lose hope. Don't forget, New York was the epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic just nine months ago. But after enforcing public health measures like physical distancing, wearing masks, washing hands... New York has had and continues to maintain some of the lowest COVID positivity rates in the country. We can do it, but we all have to do our part. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.